Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Because that's where we'll be this morning as we continue our series on the flame that is ignited in our souls to do and proclaim the will of God. And even in difficult times in the future. But I want to start off telling you a little story. A few years ago, 1995 to be exact, when I was a marine biologist in Alaska, I spent four months on a fishing boat. And there's this one day that we were, we were out fishing, and I can remember it like it was yesterday. Because we had just pulled in a, a rather large catch of fish, and we're getting ready to set our nets again. And the captain calls us up to the bridge and begins to talk to us and begins to tell us what a great job we had just done. But he said, get ready for rough seas. And I remember thinking, it's a beautiful day. What is he talking about? And then he points to the horizon. And then you see on the horizon, you see this huge, massive thundercloud. And this wall that's moving towards us. And he begins to say that it's going to try every bit of our crew and our boat to be able to get through it. Because the Coast Guard is saying there's going to be 30 plus foot seas. They're going to be freezing rain. It's going to be wind blowing. And we're really going to have to work hard to get through this. So as a team, we'll have to work together. We'll have to bring about... The, we're going to have to tie things down that don't get thrown overboard. And we're going to have to get ready and get our emergency gear ready. And when the time comes, we're going to turn and head straight in to the storm. Because we can't outrun it. We can't go around it. So we're going to have to face it head on. I've never been so scared in my life. It took a bunch of really rough sailors and turned them into prayer people. It was such a bad storm that we either had to wedge ourselves in our bunks or strap ourselves to the seats in the bridge to keep from being thrown around. But let me tell you something that's very interesting. I didn't die in the storm because I'm here talking to you today. As a matter of fact, not only did we not die in the storm, but as soon as we came out on the storm the other side, the captain said, okay, now go back to work. <laughs> Didn't even get a chance to rest. Paul is at the end of his life. And he's writing some final words to his young companion, Timothy. And he knows that in the near future, if not right in the future... Timothy is about to face some really difficult times. And Timothy is, is going to have to be ready to face this storm or this wall that is headed in his direction. Now, there's a lot to be said and a lot of discussion about when those last times are. But we're not going to get into that today. And the reason we're not getting into that today is because history repeats itself. Because if it was last year or the year before or 2,000 years ago... It's just going to come around again and again. But we can see that Timothy is going to be challenged in his preaching of the gospel by this storm and this difficulty and this wall that is headed his way. 
And we as Christians, as God's spokesmen, as God's people, will be faced by storms and difficulties and trials in our lives. If I were to describe to you our culture today, here are just a few words I might use. Self-absorbed, money-hungry, self-promoting, stuck-up, profane, contemptuous, crude, coarse, it's a dog-eat-dog world, unbending, slanderous, impulsively wild, savage, cynical, treacherous, ruthless, windbags, addicted to lust, and even probably allergic to God. And some even pretend to be religious. Now, you could probably add a few other words in there depending on what you know about the culture. But in that process, it's interesting to me, we're not the only ones who struggle with that kind of culture. Because here's what Paul says to Timothy. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. Just look at the list that goes on. Doesn't that sound very similar to the culture we live in today? Even those who have the appearance of godliness but deny its power. And so what Paul's going to tell Timothy, he's not going to just leave it in this nebulous concept either because he's going to give him examples of things he's known or, things he's, or people he's known about like Janice and Jambres that's going to make it very real to Timothy what is coming. Now, if we were to look at our culture and say in this, can, in this canceling culture that we live in, in this materialistic culture that we live in, in this immoral culture that we live in, we probably could put a face and a name to people who are in that culture. And some of those people in that culture may even be part of the difficulty that's going to come to our lives as Christians. So when we look at this wall, this storm coming our way, in reality, I've summed it up as a culture that is opposed to God. Or you could even say opposed to God's people. I look at our future and I look at the culture that, that, that we're facing and it doesn't give me a lot of hope. It doesn't give me a lot of just good feelings about what's coming. And I get to thinking about my kids and someday their kids, and what are they going to have to go through as Christians in that? But Timothy was feeling the same thing because his, his mentor was in jail. His mentor was about to come to the end of his life. The church that he's ministering at is dealing with that culture, and he's just trying to figure out, okay, what is going to happen with me? How can we, as godly people, maintain in such a dire future? He probably saw that culture as we see the culture today, and it looks like this insurmountable odds is something we could never overcome. But you know, there's a great theologian. His name's Michael Jordan. No, not really. He's just a basketball player. And he says this. Obstacles do not have to stop you. If you run into a wall, don't turn and run or give up. 
figure out a way to climb over it, to go through it, or work around it. So what Paul is going to encourage Timothy to do, and what I want to encourage you to today is that let's figure out, we've got this culture that's opposing against us. Let's figure out how to go through it, work with it, and work around it. Because that will ignite the flame in our lives. But you may be seeing Timothy standing there before this huge wall or before this huge storm. And he's probably kind of got some of the same questions that we have. What? How? When? And all these questions come into play. But here's what Paul tells Timothy. Paul tells Timothy, he says... You, however, have followed my teachings, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and suffering that happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, which all those persecutions, and you saw every time the Lord rescued me. I think he's letting Timothy know that Timothy's going to be okay. He's going to let Timothy know he's going to be okay because Timothy has seen it, experienced it, and seen the rescue of the Lord. I looked up the, the, the concept of follow, and, and when you look up follow, I, you, know, you think about it, it's okay, one who's gone before you, and you just kind of follow along behind. But the context there that he's talking about, it's a little bit different. It carries a much more uh, widespread interpretation, because it also means you learned, but it could also mean you've experienced, and you've also investigated in that process with me. And so as Timothy understands that he is going to be okay because he experienced Paul's conduct and his teachings, his sufferings. He investigated those because he was there in that process. The message says, you are a good apprentice of me. And so Timothy has participated in those things, and he's seen the rescue of the Lord. So Paul is now going to encourage him that in difficult times and in times of need of rescue, do what you've already done, Timothy, and that is be a disciple. If we look at what Paul's really encouraging Timothy to do, is just do what you've always done with me. His advice to Timothy is to develop discipleship relations in his life that are going to help him maintain and keep that flame of burning bright in all the difficulty that is coming his way. Develop discipleship relationships. Because that's what's helped Timothy. And I think that's what Timothy can help do with others if he'll go that route. Paul's going to give three ways or three things that discipleship relationships will do for us to fan the flame. These three actions are very exciting, seem very simple. But here's what Paul tells Timothy. First off, he starts off in verse 12 and he says, Indeed, 
Indeed, Timothy. Indeed, which is basically as a matter of fact. This is going to happen. There's no way around it. And so what he's telling Timothy, he says, Indeed, all of those who want to live godly lives will be persecuted. Not maybe, but will. And it's even worse than that because those who are evil, they're just going to go from one evil to the next evil and they're going to keep lying and it's just going to keep getting worse and keep getting worse. So basically what we see is that Timothy is called to live godly and to be ready for persecution. Those relationships that he wants Timothy to form are ones that help each other and help us grow in our godly living and be ready for persecution. A few weeks ago, I was talking to Princeton, and we were just talking about the culture, the culture in India and how over the last few decade or so, it's become more, or le- it's actually become less accepting to Christianity. There are a lot of non-conversion laws that are going into place in and in creating tension for Christians because anyone now can file a claim against a Christian and the government will come down upon them. Or even if they want to take it into their own hands, they can go and they can be violent against a Christian and the government will just kind of look the other way. But I thought, well, that's India. We don't have to deal with that here. Or do we? What does our culture say about, a, about being a Christian? Our culture would say being a Christian is being intolerant. Being a hater. Being a bigot. Our culture would say that someone who stands on godly principles is weak. Or to hold to a high moral standard, our culture would say that would be somebody who's a radical or is disconnected from reality. Or maybe even our culture would say about us who forgive and don't resent and carry those things that people do us wrong. They would say, you're just being naive. And what else could we add to that list? That list could go on and on and on. So yeah, maybe it's not a violent persecution, but it is a persecution. But you may say, but Zane, I've never been persecuted. And I say, praise God, I hope you never have to be. But what Paul is telling Timothy is that don't be surprised when it comes. Because godly living brings about persecution. When we were in Alaska, before we could get on the boat, one of the things that they did is they handed us this backpack. It was about this big, and it was bright red, and it, inside it, it contained an emergency survival suit. Because the waters in Alaska produce hypothermia in a matter of minutes. And if you go overboard and not in a survival suit, the chances of living are very slim. So before we could get on the boat, we had to learn how to put that survival suit on in less than a minute. And it was not easy. And so we had to practice, and we had to practice, and we had to practice. But once we got it, we're good to go. Now, I took that survival suit with me on the boat. And thankfully, I never had to use it. But I was ready, if that was the case. 
So that's what we see. Paul is telling Timothy, Paul is telling us, build those discipleship relationships that will allow you to work together to live godly and to be ready for persecution when it comes. And don't be surprised when it heads your way. The second thing that Paul tells them in verse 14 is he says to continue in the truth you have learned. When when I was younger, we used to play this game, and I, I don't know if it's still played or not anymore, but you'd get two people, and you'd stand facing each other, and just nothing in your hands, you would try to push on the other person to get them to step back or to lose their balance. I was pretty good at the game because I was short and stocky and pretty strong. And my friends would line up to try to beat me. And you know what? After all of that, most of the time, I was still standing when they were done. Paul tells Timothy. He says, continue in a culture that's immoral, in a culture that's going to bring you difficulty, in a culture that's dysfunctional. He says, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed in. As I looked at what continue means, because... I wanted to see the essence of that. It's actually, though, continue. And what Paul's telling Timothy to do is like when we were back in Alaska on this boat and that storm came and it was thrashing that boat around, when that storm was gone, that boat was still there. So as we deal with life and we deal with difficulty, when that storm is gone in our lives, God wants Timothy to understand. And Paul wants Timothy to understand that make sure your faith is still there after the storm is gone. Another way to put that would be, let your belief still be in existence when all the negative, sinful wickedness comes your way. Don't let the future wickedness take away what you've learned. And the second part of that, which I think is absolutely phenomenal that he says this, is... He says, knowing from whom you learned it and how from your childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred, script, with sacred writings. He says, don't give up hope or faith in the people who taught you those good things. He says, hold on to those because those people meant good when they taught you about God's word. So not only hold on to what you believe and what you've learned, but hold on to the people that, you, that taught you that. And so as we as Christians, as we face this difficult time, we need to realize that, that when they are coming, we need to hold on and stand firm and continue to exist in our belief and believing in God's love. In our holding on, we need to hold on to the act and the fact that God redeemed us. We need to continue to exist as children of God, and that's truth. We need to stand firm on the fact that God has said He will rescue us in the storms of persecution. And that is done through relationships with other disciples who are striving to do the same. So as the future pushes against us, 
as the fuel is trying, as the flame is trying to be pushed out, we must remember that we need discipleship relationships that help us to continue in what we have learned and trusting in those who've taught us. The third thing he says, he says, as disciples, we are reminded through what Paul says to Timothy that all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for reproof for correction for teaching or for training in righteousness that the man of God might be complete and equipped for ever good works so we as Christians as we move forward in this concept of dealing with the battles that we face we must remember and place extremely high value on the word of God Because it's God's word that will lead us down a path to take us to the righteousness that he wants in our lives. It's God's word that will move us and allow us to be equipped in the task that he puts before us. We know that God has never stopped working since he created the foundation of the world. He's always been at work. We know that Jesus came and, and died on, the, on this earth, lived among us and died and was resurrected and is now back in heaven. And God has allowed us as his people to be the ones who are going to take that mission to the rest of the world. But we as disciples must place high, high value on the word of God because it is what equips us. It is what trains us. It is what corrects us. And it is what completes us in our lives. So this third thing that discipleship brings about is other people who help us keep the scriptures in that high-valued state in our lives. When I go back to think about the story in Alaska about being on a boat... If it hadn't have been for the captain who gave us the instructions to follow. If it hadn't have been for the team of sailors who did everything they could to be ready for the storm. If it hadn't have been getting our equipment ready for that moment of possible catastrophe. And if it hadn't have been for the captain turning that boat and heading directly into the storm. We probably wouldn't have survived. We as Christians face a wall. We face a culture that is against us as believers. But it also was against Jesus and it was also against Paul and it was also against Timothy. So we're still in that same boat. But what we need to understand that the way we confront and the way we interject and the way we make sure that that culture does not overpower us in our lives is through developing discipleship relationships. Those discipleship relationships allow us to live godly. They allow us to be ready for persecution. Those discipleship relationships allow us to stand firm in the midst of the storm. Those discipleship relationships help us be ready and equipped and able to do what God needs us to do in those difficult moments. But without them, it might not be so favorable. So here's what I want you to take home with you. Discipleship relationships 
they flan the flame that's already ignited in you. And they help you await the rescue of our Lord. Don't go it alone. Discipleship relationships are the way we face it. I don't know where you find yourself today. I don't know if you find yourself alone in your struggles. I don't know if you're struggling through some very serious issues in life. I don't even know if you've given yourself up in willingness to serve the Lord. I don't know where you find yourself. But I do know there are people, and this church is willing and ready to build those relationships with you so that you can participate in the rescue of our Lord. Whatever your need is, whatever you desire, now is the time to respond as we stand and sing.